Well, we're continuing in our series called Built to Last, and uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, we've been talking about this principle that we look at, and we find in uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 7, and it's really the back end of the, the most famous sermon Jesus ever preached, and, and he's giving this, uh, this illustration, this picture. And he's saying, listen, there's these two individuals in Matthew 7, 24, and then, he, he, and then in verse 26, he says, look, there's this individual that builds in a wise way. And, and that's really what we're, we're talking about in this series. What does it look like to build? How are we building? Are we building in a way that's going to last? And he says, here's what, what, what really allows someone to build in a way that's going to last. It's an individual that hears the word and then does it. They hear and then they do and then he contrasts this in verse 26, and he said, here's another individual. They hear the word, but they don't do it. They don't do it. And so the, the challenge here that he's pointing out, it's not that, that people don't hear. It's that they hear the difference in whether or not you're going to build to last is whether or not you're hearing and doing. And over the last few weeks, we've talked about what does it look like to build the last on, on God's Word and this blueprint that we have and what it looks like to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and as we're building along the way. Because here's what, here's what that Word, that Scripture says. It says, listen, when the storms come, there's a storm that's coming. And when it comes, will you be built to last? And, you know, I just want to take a minute as we're talking about building. You know, building patterns in our life are so important. Learning God's Pattern and how we build is so important. This past weekend, summer's still here uh, in our service, but we just wrapped up our middle school Battle of the Sexes weekend. We're taking middle school students away. Last week, we had over 300 high school students. This week, over 300 middle school students. And they're, we're just diving in, and we're going, hey, we're taking that little device that they like to like just kind of look at the whole time, you know, setting it aside and going, let's see what God's pattern is when it comes to dating and relationships and purity and sexuality and sometimes people go well why are you so upfront about that because really in reality can I tell you something this culture and this society it's really upfront with them about it and if we're not showing them God's pattern I promise you they're hearing what the world's pattern is what culture and society's pattern is and so so proud of the students. They had an amazing time. I mean, they're running around, painting their faces. They had what they call tribe wars, and they're just going crazy. Uh, Liam, young man right here. Or, yeah, here he is. You can barely see him. They, they showed a picture of him. He was like screaming, and I was like, that kid probably doesn't even have a voice anymore. One of our guys, actually, he, he was playing up here on the guitar. I was like, hey, how'd it go? He's like, you know, he's like, you know, he couldn't talk, you know. Your typical, like, high school, middle school retreat. But I'm going to tell you something. Here's what's most important it's these times like this worship worship they're coming and they're just diving in following God and can I tell you something we're gonna have fun our service actually the first service was packed with all those middle schoolers that were in here and I just told them I said hey listen y'all just go after it they were in here while I was running through my slides at the first service and I said y'all just go after it. and they did it was amazing to watch just a generation worship God and can I tell you something Paint their faces, have fun, have all these tribe competitions and do these retreats. But nothing transforms a young person. Nothing transforms us. Nothing transforms a person, period. Like being in the presence of God. And they're they experiencing what it's like to have a life-giving relationship with Jesus. And so it was an amazing weekend. So grateful for all those who went. A lot of our adults that went as leaders, I saw them after service. They're like, 
Bye, Pastor Chris, I'm leaving. I said, you're going to get a nap? And they're like, I'm sleeping the rest of the afternoon, you know? They've been up with middle schoolers, okay, all weekend long. They deserve an award, okay? And so I just want to celebrate them. And just, so, just so amazing that we take time out and go, hey, we're going to help a generation understand what it looks like to build on this pattern of what God says when it comes to this. And, and so we're doing the same thing. And I want us to look. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to throw some of you for a loop here. I want you to turn in your Bible, Psalms 68, verse 6, and then 1 Corinthians 12, 18. Normally, we don't give you two scriptures to turn to. I'm going to give you two. I know you can do it. Hold on to those. We're going to get there in just a minute. But I'm going to read for you, and you can look on the screen here. I'm going to recap a little bit of what we talked about last week when we look at 1 Peter. Because I really think this sets up the premise of where we're going when it talks about this aspect of how we're going to build. This part of the blueprint that I think sometimes we miss, but it's very much a part of God's pattern and how He builds, and it's called spiritual family. I want to read for you back from what we read last week, 1 Peter chapter 4. And verse 5, it's, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. It says this, As you come to Him, the living stone rejected by God, rejected by humans but chosen by God, and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. I love what Peter's saying. He's like, first off, you're a living stone, and then you're being built together for a purpose. Now, now I, I want to kind of come back to this thought about the words that Peter uses here, stones. It's not like a brick. You see, bricks, are they all look the same, and they're formed and fashioned the same. They relatively look, it's all symmetrical, and if you've seen a house that's built with bricks, they just kind of go along. Well, well, this past week, I was reminded of this scripture because I was, I was in, a, in a tumultuous situation this past week. I was in the drive through line at Starbucks. You ever been there? You ever been to the one at Adriatica? Yeah, okay, then, then you know what I'm talking about, okay? That line's real long, but there's this one person, though, when you go, and it was so funny, because I started talking about this person, and someone in the first service knew who I was talking about. His name's Kevin, okay? Now, you may see Kevin. Now, you can go to Adriatica. You know who Kevin is, okay? Now, Kevin doesn't know that I'm, I'm talking about him and, and my message. You know, he will one day, maybe. And I don't know if Kevin knows Jesus. I don't know if he, knows, if he loves the Lord, but I tell you, what, you pull up to that, that drive-thru line, and I'm, I kid you not, you can sit in that drive-thru line for about 30 minutes, all right? And there nothing gets me, like, you know, just kind of really needing to pray and just need Jesus, like being in a Starbucks drive-thru line that's taking way too long. And Kevin just comes on, and he's like, hey, welcome to Starbucks. Can I help you? And my kids are in the back. My little girls are like, Dad, why is he so happy? You know? And he's, I mean, you can hear it. I said, well, I don't know. Let's ask him. So we pull up to the front, and I said, Kevin, why are you so happy? And he's like, well, I used to work at the Starbucks in Stonebriar Mall, and it was like all dark and dingy, but now I got sunlight. I was like, hey, if he can be happy about sunlight, I mean, we can be happy about a lot of things. But Kevin is like, I kid you not. I have never been to that Starbucks, and Kevin has not been happy and joyous. But when I'm, when I'm sitting there for long periods of time waiting for my coffee, I, I noticed something. I noticed, if you've ever been to this drive-thru, you probably noticed it too, these stones. And when you look at these stones, they're not all uniform. They don't all look the same. There's not this symmetrical pattern, but there's this principle of placement 
They all serve a different purpose and they all have a different look. And remember, you look at what the words of Peter were in, in, in 1 Peter. He said, I'm taking these stones and I'm placing them. You see, this is part of the biblical pattern that God has when we look at what it looks like to build the last. It's this aspect of God placing you where He's put you. He places you somewhere for a specific purpose and a reason. And it is for one part, it's to come together for something bigger. Come together for something greater. Now I want us to look at what the words of Peter has said in verse 9. We jump back to this scripture and it says, But you are a chosen people. Not just a, a solo person. You're a chosen people. That means there's a grouping that's happening here. A royal priesthood. You're not just a royal priest. There's this priesthood that you're a part of. A holy nation, not an individual, a nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. You see, there's this aspect of God saying, hey, there's this pattern here I want you to see. That there's this unique aspect. You're not all, you don't come to church and you're all looking the same, you do the same thing, you act the same way, you're unique, and there's this placement that is for a purpose to come together. When you look back at verse 5, it says what? To be built into a spiritual house. There's this purpose behind it. You see, now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, okay, Pastor Chris, well, that's easy for you. Spiritual family, I get what you're saying. I mean, you're a pastor. Like, all your friends are pastors. Like, you're at church all day long. Like, this is easy for you, okay? This doesn't apply to you. You're, you're not normal, okay? What about us? Uh, well, hold on. This doesn't come easy to me either, okay? Like, like by nature, okay, this doesn't come easy to me. I, I'm, I'm an extrovert by nature, okay? Now, now, my wife, Wendy, if you know her, she's not here today, got some sick kiddos. But when you meet her, she'll make you feel like she's your best friend. She's outgoing, she's personable, it's, it's awesome. But she's a, when she recharges, she's an introvert. You know, she's like, I want to be home with the kids. I want to be home with you. Me, I'm an extrovert. So my team, the team doesn't really, they're, some of them, I mean, they're outgoing too. But I'm like, we get done with like a service or a big weekend. I'm like, hey, let's hang out. You want to all come to the house? They're like, no. I want to go home and take a nap. I'm like, y'all come take a nap in my house. Y'all come hang out, which really gets me in trouble with Wendy because she's like, what are you doing? Like, I don't want people in my house. I want to go home. I want to be just us. You know, it's, it's an extra, like, I'm like, let's go. And then I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest of three boys. So you talk about birth order. You got any others that are in here that you're the oldest? Okay, which basically means you think that, like, you're the boss when the boss isn't there, you know? I'm like, hey, I'm the boss, you know? And so I have, so even for me, this doesn't come natural. Because for me, I think, well, hey, it's all about me, and everyone should be like me, and everyone should want to hang out like I want to hang out, and they should be an extrovert and all these different things. But that's not what Peter's saying. He's saying... <clears throat> excuse me, he's saying there's this placement, there's this unique aspect of how, I design, how God designed you and how he wired you for a greater purpose. And see, in culture and in society, we know this. We, we know this in culture and society today. There was a, a TED Talk by a British journalist. His name was uh, Johan Hari, and he, he talked about how he had wrestled with depression his whole life. And he didn't understand why, he wasn't sure where it was coming from, and, and, and you know, was it a chemical imbalance, was it something that he experienced, and depression is a very real thing. 
And it's a very real thing that people wrestle with often and, and people do take certain things for it to help them along the way. And he started looking at the psychological aspects that we all want and that we're, we're looking for. And he broke it down into some different things and talked about wanting purpose and value and significance and all these things. But if you studied psychology at all, I can remember studying psychology in school and, and you, you may be familiar. It reminded me when, when I heard him say these things, it reminded me of this principle that you learned called Maslow's Hierarchy, if you've ever taken psychology. And, and for just a brief moment, just follow along with me for just a brief moment, because I'm taking you somewhere. You go, well, Pastor Chris, I didn't know I was coming to learn psychology. I thought we were going to get into the Word. I, I, I want to help you see that this is not, your, okay, this aspect that roots us in this placement component of spiritual family is not just simply rooted in science, while we're grateful for science, it's rooted in Scripture, but I want to show you this because even in culture and society, we see this and understand this. So here, here's what the hierarchy of needs really represents. Here's what it's saying. It starts with your physiological needs. And Maslow said this, you want your physiological needs met first because if those aren't met first, then you won't build on all the other ones. And so your physiological needs, you're, you're wanting food and water and, and you're needing sleep and clothing and shelter, all these different things. And then it moves to safety. Your needs for safety, personal security, employment, resources, property, health, wherever it might be. Then I'm going I'm to skip this middle one and I want to jump to these top two. Esteem, respect, self-esteem, status, recognition. You want to be respected, right? And you want to have a measure of self-respect. Then self-actualization, desire to become the most you can be. You want to find significance, now, I skipped this middle one for a reason, because here's what begins to happen. It, where we live in comparison to the world, these first two, those are met pretty easy. You've got your physiological needs and your safety needs met pretty easily. So we live our life, honestly, driving for these top two. I want to be recognized. I want to be respected. I want to have a measure of self-respect. I want to feel good about myself. So I'm doing all these things. I'm trying to accomplish it in all these different ways, ultimately to get to this self-actualization place where I begin to realize and understand what my fulfillment is. But all along, we miss this right here in the middle. Love and belongingness. Friendship. Intimacy. Family. A sense of connection. Think about how many people you meet at the end of their life and they've accumulated all these things. They, they seemingly thought they accumulated these top two. They've got so much money and recognition and status. They've got this at the bottom and some, then some. But when you ask them, what are you missing? It's right there in the middle. And I find it unique as I was looking over this and praying for you and thinking about how to communicate this to you, how this landed right in the middle of how you build. You see, because God knows this. God knows that we need these things. God knows that we need to build in a way that is meeting this component of our life. And so God knows that, and so He provides an avenue for that. So I want us to look at, at what it says here in Psalm 68.6. 
And, and before I go, go to Psalm 68.6, I know they just threw it up there. But before I go that, I, I want to go back because you're going, okay, Pastor Chris, you're, you're sharing all this with us. Why is it? Because here's what I want you to get. That people that understand, like who understand how to build the last in this way, understand that they're divine relationships. They're, there's divine relationships that God brings you along the way. And because He brings you those divine relationships... Those divine relationships, you stay anchored to them because when you're anchored to those divine relationships, it helps you understand a key component to what it looks like to be built to last. So we look back at Psalm 68.6. And we're going to look at this psalm, and I want to read this to you. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. He sets the lonely in family. You read this scripture, and oftentimes when people read this scripture, they deselect because they say, well, lonely? Well, I'm not, I'm not lonely. This doesn't apply to me. But I want you to realize something. Lonely is the context, not the emphasis. Lonely is the context because when David wrote this, David's running. If you've been to any of our growth track class, if you've been to one-on-one, you hear me talk about this all of the time. Lonely is the context. David's running for his life, hiding in caves. He was supposed to be king, and here he is. There's some 13-year period where he's running for his life, hiding, and here he is. He's writing. Lonely is the context in which he's writing. The emphasis that David is trying to get across is sets and families. He sets you. God sets you in a family. He places you in a family. And you think, well, okay, Pastor Chris, well, that, that's Old Testament. What about the New Testament? What, look at the same, it's the, it's, a, it's the same principle, a different analogy in, in 1 Corinthians. Paul's writing, chapter 12, verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You see, there's this placement component. There's this aspect, this principle that when God works and when He builds and when He's wanting you to build the last, we don't always catch it. We don't always see, oh, wait, wait a minute, spiritual family, what does that look like? We don't always see that. But it's here and it's a pattern and I want to show it to you. Because it's not just a, a one and done. It's not this happenstance. It's not just in the Old Testament or, or just in the New Testament. It's throughout the Word of God. You, I think of the words of Ruth. We'll, we'll look at this biblical pattern. Ruth and Naomi. Naomi was a, a Judean woman who lived in, the, in, in, Moab, in Moab. And her sons married these two Moabite women. Well, her two sons died. Her husband died. So now she's going back to her own land. And she tells her daughter-in-laws, hey, go back to your land in Moab. And this is what Ruth, what her response is to Naomi. But Ruth replied, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. She's saying, I'm going with you. There's this divine joining. There's this divine relationship. I'm going where you're going. This principle comes. I was reading this past week in Exodus 7 where God is speaking to Moses, and Moses goes, well, what do I say, what do I do? And Moses goes, look, you tell the people of Israel, I'm going to be their God. They're going to be my people, and I will be their God. It's this joining. It's this placing. Well, it doesn't just stop with, with Ruth and Naomi. You go on, you have David and Jonathan. Jonathan was the king's son. He was heir to the throne. Then you have David, who basically was really a servant to the king. And it says that Jonathan actually said, look, he said that he loved David as he loved his own soul. 
you go and you look at these two individuals, these prophets in the Old Testament, Elijah and Elisha. And when you look at them, Elijah at the, at the pinnacle of, of what he has done and what God has asked him to do, he's in this deep, dark moment and God sends this young mentee to his path and they're joined together and they walk together. In fact, there's this moment where God takes Elijah up to heaven in this, it says a, a, a fiery chariot and leaves his mantle, which really was a cloak. He passes it on. It's like he's passing the torch. You keep going, you have Jesus and the disciples. He laid down his life. You have John 15 where he says, listen, I am the vine, you are the branches. There's this joining, remain in me. You have the disciples in the early church where they built together, they met together. There's relationship. You have Paul and Timothy where Paul said, Timothy is like a son. So why, you're going, Pastor Chris, why are you showing me? Chris, why, why, why? All of this stuff, I get it. I see what you're saying. Is this a a psychology lesson? Is this a, a Bible lesson? Is this Bible history? What are we doing? No, I want you to see there's a pattern in how God builds. There's a pattern when it comes to spiritual family. And, and, and I've experienced this in my own life. You may wonder, actually you may never wonder, how did you end up in Texas? You, I'm sure you woke up today like, hey, how did, Chris, how did you end up in Texas? Well, I'm born and raised in Austin, Texas. Okay, met my, my, my beautiful bride who, if you've been here at any amount of time, you know that I affectionately call her Love Biscuit. Okay, it's just my nickname for her, okay? And, and we met in Austin. She's from New Orleans, and we moved to Lafayette, Louisiana. And we were in Lafayette, Louisiana for 13 years. We were part of a church there. And the way in which we built at that church was in this way. It was a spiritual family. And we built relationally, and, and we understood that God had placed us together for a greater purpose. Well, along that way, we began to meet other churches that built in that same way. And Milestone was one of them. And I met Pastor Jeff at this point now almost 17 years ago. And so when God was speaking to us and, and starting to talk to us about moving back to Texas as we began to pray, understanding that spiritual family was a value for us and how we wanted to build, it made our decision real simple but not real easy. Because when we moved here, I had three little girls under the age of five. Can I tell you something? My parents still lived in Austin. It would have been a lot easier to move to Austin when you got three little kids that age. And Austin was honestly on the radar only because that's where I'm from and my parents still live there. But I remember calling Pastor Jeff, it was around December 27th, 28th, just after Christmas, talking about moving back here and talking and praying about what does it look like. And it was because of this aspect of spiritual family of going, this is how I want to build. This is greater than just simply what I want to do. God, where are you placing me? Where are you placing Wendy and I? Where are you placing our family? And can I tell you something? After praying through that and talking with Pastor Jeff, Austin would have been the easy choice. But because spiritual family was how we wanted to build, moving to DFW was the simple choice. Because I'll be honest, DFW wasn't even on the map. I wasn't thinking about DFW. I didn't really even know where McKinney was per se. But all of a sudden, God moves us to Keller, Texas. And we're there, and we're part of the team, and we're building. And then this past June, God moves us to McKinney, Texas, to build what we're building here through Milestone Church at this campus. How did that? I'm not smart enough to figure all that out. And you may go, we know. 
Can I tell you how I ended up there? Spiritual family. It was divine relationships that helped lead us along that way in those conversations. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not, are you, Pastor Chris, are you saying spiritual family is going to lead me to like do where I need, like move to where I need to be and go to where I need to be? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the aspect of when you build relationally with people and you build in the context of spiritual family, there are things that you now are able to experience that God always designed in His pattern all along the way. These divine connections that you you saw all through this biblical pattern that he has for both you and I. So how do we do that? How do we build on spiritual family? Well, here's the first thing. you got to get a conviction from God. There's this conviction. There's a conviction from the Lord. Now, now listen, we all want family. It's something that's inside of all of us. Think about it. We all use this language. You know, you got your, your gym family. You got your work family. You got your fantasy football family. I mean, I meet guys, they've been in fantasy football. They now take like trips, you know. They like go places to like do their draft. It's like a real thing now, you know. It's like, that's my, that's my family. No, no, no. Those are friends. And at best, it may be community, but here's what I want you to understand. It's not to minimize that, but because we so long for family, we call friends and community family when really it's just community. Because here's, the, here's what happens. Community, while in and of itself isn't bad, it's good, but it's centered around your environment and your preferences. If those things change, then all of a sudden your community changes. That's never how God intended for it to be. God intended for something better. And he's saying, listen, I want you to have spiritual family. I want you to have this family component that is greater than what you may even really be experiencing because that's how God's pattern works. But here's what you have to understand. The truth is, family's hard. It's difficult. If you've ever been a part of a family, how many of you know family is difficult and it's hard? It is not easy. It's not easy. And you're a part of something and you're going, man, there, there's so much that comes along with it. And the truth is, what happens is family, and the, honestly, when you look at family and church, those are the two places where so much pain can live. Some of you, some of you family is the most painful thing you've ever experienced. You're going, I, I am, I, the, the last thing I want to do is think about family. If you knew the way I grew up, if you knew the things I experienced, but I'm just telling you today that God is changing that mindset in you. I was reminded of this this past week. I was working out with a friend of mine. He's actually a, a, another pastor in the city. And, a, and about a week and a half ago, we were doing, we were working out and he felt this pop in his bicep. And he's like, man, I don't know. We're like, bro, I don't know, man. Maybe you shouldn't work out. You need to slow down, you know. And he's like, man, it really hurts, but it's crazy because it popped. But, like, I can move my shoulder. My shoulder's wrist out. I was like, I don't know. It's a miracle. Yay, Lord. You know, I don't know. And so he starts working out, and, and he's still working out with us. And then he's like, man, I don't know. It's starting to bruise. And so we're telling him, like, maybe you should slow down. And then he comes back a day or two later. It's, like, purple on both sides of his bicep. And he had had an injury there about a year ago. And so we're like, man, look we're not doctors or anything I mean I like to think I'm a doctor but you know what I'm not a doctor so maybe you should go see a doctor so he does he goes to see a doctor and he, and 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 the doctor tells him he goes you're just fine he's like really like why is it bruising why does it look like that what's going on and he told him this he said all you did is tear scar tissue and because you broke that scar tissue off now you not only have movement where your previous injury was you're able to get that movement in your shoulder where you hadn't had it can I tell you something? For some of you, when it comes to family, God's breaking scar tissue off of you. There's this aspect in how you see family. 
how you see church, how you see those things, and it resonates with pain inside of you, but God's breaking that off. He's breaking scar tissue in your life and in your heart because the truth is, family can be painful. And the truth is, family can be one of the most painful things you experience, but it can also be one of the most rewarding things. And so when you have a conviction, you got to have a conviction from the Lord that when you know, God, you've joined me to this family, you've placed me here, then what begins to happen is if we want to experience the things that Ruth experienced and David and Jonathan experienced and, and the things that, that Paul and Timothy experienced, and guess what? We have to have a conviction, a revelation like they had. And when we do, we begin to experience things in a completely different way. Because genuine family wasn't set up around me, 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 me. That's what we see within this consumer culture that we can be around and that we can experience. It's all about individuality and what do you want and how do you get what you want and you're going to be the best and you're going to do it. You go, fly, baby, fly. I'm like, you ain't got wings. You ain't flying. You're falling, okay? I'm grateful my parents were like, son, you're going to be in the NBA. They've been lying to me. Look at me. I'm like five foot two, you know. I can't barely jump. I may be quick. That just means I can get to the ball faster. I ain't going to the NBA, but we, 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 we raise people up and we interact. Do what you want to do at whatever cost, at everyone else's cost. Just be you. That's not how healthy families work. Healthy family is centered around commitment. And I'm going, hey, I'm going to give my life and I'm going to do without so that you can do with. Because I want you to experience the greatness that God has in store for you. So if I'm going to build on spiritual family, I've got to get a conviction. But here's the next thing I need. I've got to prioritize engagement. I got to prioritize engaging in spiritual family. See, engagement is key. Engagement is key. Because by nature, being a part of family, it minimizes your choices. If you doubt that, just ask your family where they want to go to eat lunch after church. You're going to have, well, I want here, I want there. I got three little girls. My youngest, hands down every time. Chuck E. Cheese. I'm like, we ain't going to Chuck E. Cheese, okay? You know, it's like, man, if they had better pizza, maybe we go, you know? Willow, she's like, Mexican food. If that kid, that kid could live, she would, she would live off of quesadillas if I let her, you know? I mean, that's like, that's it. You know, it's in the blood, all right? And it's like, okay. And so it's all, but can I tell you something? Here's one thing that happens. I've got three little girls and a wife. I am a minority in a sorority. So guess who really doesn't get a vote? Me. And I end up at wherever they want to be. Why? Because you're just part of a family. By nature, if you're making a choice, where do you want to go? Everyone has to do You're going to minimize your choices because you're part of a family. And when you're part of a family, can I tell you something? You'll do things and you'll embrace things that you're really not a fan of. Can I tell you something? There are things that, that Wendy's into that I ain't into. But I'm into Wendy, so guess what? I'm into that too. Downton Abbey. I don't care about Downton Abbey. But I watched all oh, how many ever seasons because guess who's into Downton Abbey? Wendy's into Downton Abbey. And I do draw the line of Pride and Prejudice. I didn't go see Little Women. You know, I sent her with some girlfriends, you know, whatever. But it's like, well, I'm into Wendy, so I'm into that stuff. It's like photo shoots. You know what I'm talking about, man? Family photos. You got the dog, dog's acting crazy, your children are acting crazy. Why are we in a field with a full-on sofa? I don't know. I had to drag it out here. I'm the only guy in the family, so now I'm dragging the sofa, the dog, the kids. I look like I'm sweating, and they're like, did you just work out? You know, no, I'm like here for a family photo. Why do I show up for a family photo? Because I'm part of a family. 
So when you engage with your family, you're going to naturally dive into the things that the family does. Let, let me make it real practical for you. For, for you here at Milestone, you may go, okay, well, I'm going to dive into to the growth tracker. Well, before then, I'm going to dive into prioritizing weekend service. You've already done it. You're already here. You see, you prioritize those things. You prioritize the growth track. You prioritize volunteering. You prioritize serving and being a part and getting engaged and being. And look, and here's the thing. When you begin to do that, your kids begin to prioritize it. It's amazing how at the beginning of the year I met so many families. They're like, hey, good to meet you. Where are you from? Oh, you know, we're, yeah, we just, you know, it's the new year. We, we really need to get the kids back into church. I'm like, you're missing it. You need to get into church. They're going to follow your lead. That's where that whole thought. Maybe you grew up this way. You ever had parents that said, do what I say, not what I do. Because what happens is we think, well, you know, if I tell them the right thing to do, then they'll do it. We want our kids involved. We want our kids engaged. We want them going to small group. We want them reading the Bible. But we prioritize all these other things. Eventually, they're going to prioritize what you're prioritizing. And when you prioritize the thing that's really going to make a difference in their life and it's going to matter the most, they begin to prioritize it. Now, I know you're going, man, Pastor Chris, this is, a, this is just a ploy for like more volunteerism and just be a part. And you must need more people holding babies in the kit. No, 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 no. This is about us understanding that when you begin to engage at a different level, you begin to experience relationship at a different level. You, you can't really begin to embrace relationship at the level that you want if you casually sit in the back and observe from afar. There's something that God has for you, and you begin to experience that when it comes to spiritual family, but you've got to engage it in that way. You've got to prioritize that engagement, because then when you do, here's what happens. You experience significant growth on the back end of that commitment. There's growth that happens. There's growth that begins to happen on the back end of when you make that commitment. When you begin to go, hey, this is how I want to build, and this is what I'm called to do. When, when you begin to realize that, look, uh, you know, I think of, of Psalms 92, it says that, that, that what, what begins to happen is the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. You see, there's this planting that happens, this placement that happens. There's this setting that begins to happen. I don't get in shape by just putting on workout clothes. I don't get real healthy in my diet by just making a menu. I don't, I don't gain knowledge by buying a book. I've got to actually take it. I've got to read it. I've got to apply it. I got to set an alarm and go to the gym. I actually got to cook my food, maybe do a little meal prep, whatever it may be. You see, the growth that you're wanting is on the other end of that commitment. It's when you begin to walk it out, it's when you've begun to engage in that way. It's when you begin to realize that there's this pattern that God has for us, there's this aspect of spiritual family where He's, he's placed you. You may think it's happenstance. You may think it's coincidence. That's why I said earlier, I'm not just trying to be nice when I say, hey, you're our honored guest as a first-time guest. They go, hey, how'd you find Milestone? Well, Google. Yeah, Google helped. But it may have been the Holy Spirit. And whether you're back next week or you never come back again, all I do know is this, is that God brought you across this path 
and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I value you the way Jesus would value you and connect with you in that way. Why am I telling you that? Because it's more than just happenstance. God places you. And when you have that conviction and you begin to engage, you begin to experience things in a different way. You see, here's the fear that we all have. Whether you realize this is a fear or not, at the end of the day, we all have this fear. Will, will there be anyone there at those significant moments in life? I'm not just talking about bad moments, difficult moments. Will there be people there when you're going through a difficult season? That's one thing. But what about when, when you get that raise or that job promotion or you started that new job or you, 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 you stepped out and, and you became an entrepreneur and you started a new company? Who's there to celebrate with you? I can remember this past week, or it was actually a couple weeks ago, there was an individual in our community and they, just, they, they had just accomplished something pretty significant for their business. And honestly, this individual, they're well-established, well-off, you know. And I called him up, and I said, hey, I'm going to take you to lunch. Let's celebrate. And he wrote me a thank you note the next week. And this is what he said. Because it wasn't like lunch was that extravagant. It's not even as if it was that expensive. He said, there's not often that people take me out and that people celebrate what God has done. And it spoke volumes to him. You see, who's going to celebrate with you? Who's going to grieve with you? Who's going to walk with you? That's the fear we all have. God's pattern and design is to create spiritual family so that you have those people along the way. But you're not going to build that way unless you gain a conviction and you engage at a different level. I want to pray for you this morning. If you would, close your eyes and bow your head. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that, God, we can experience you in ways like we never have before. I thank you, God, that you don't just simply have certain things for us. God, you, you actually have designed and desired for us to build in a way where we can build the last. God, that we don't simply have to do it alone. We don't have to experience these things alone. But, God, you place us in a family. And when you place us in a family, we're able to experience the joys that we should experience in family. Joys of sacrifice and relationship and the joys of people being willing to, to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. We experience genuine family where, where family is about me having less so that you can have more. Me serving you and, and serving others and but for many of us, God, family is painful. And so I pray for those today, even now, God, that you've brought up that aspect of just there's scar tissue there because of difficult seasons in relationship and in family. God, I thank you that you're breaking off that scar tissue and you're bringing healing to our hearts and our minds. I thank you that we can gain a conviction and we can engage at another level as we understand and grasp where you've placed us. I pray that we would walk in that way this week. We would walk and experience it today. In Jesus' name, amen.